0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the First Left Ministries podcast. Over the next four weeks, I'm going to do a series entitled Preparing for Pentecost Sunday. Now, there's a good chance you don't even know what Sunday that is. It's June 4th, by the way, because most of us, especially non-liturgical types, don't celebrate it. And if we do, we don't plan for and anticipate celebrating it the same way we do Easter and Christmas. And yet, it has equal value and significance to our lives as the other two. Perhaps you've heard from previous podcasts talking about changing the names of our major holidays, our major days of celebration, where Christmas, calling it Incarnation Day. Why? Because that's when God came in Christ to reveal Himself and His love to us. What we call Easter, we call Resurrection Day. Why? Because God raises Jesus from the dead, affirming, bearing witness that Jesus was telling the truth in everything, including that he was dying for our sins. Without resurrection, then his crucifixion means nothing. But it's the love of God in incarnation day when God comes and reveals himself. It's the grace of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness that comes through the death and resurrection of Jesus that we celebrate in resurrection day. Well, Pentecost Sunday Over the years, I've called it Invasion Day, the day that God the Holy Spirit was sent by the Father and the Son into our lives to change us in order to join Him in changing the world. Invasion Day ultimately is about God sending the Holy Spirit to bring about change, change where our lives used to be one way And then he changes him into a new way, a change from being alienated and separated from God, that he brings the change where we get reconciled to him and we experience forgiveness and we experience everything. Actually, at the end of 2 Corinthians 13, there's this marvelous little benediction where Paul says, And now be the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. It's a marvelous Trinitarian statement, but particularly in the fact that God the Father's love initiates salvation for us. It's Christ's death and resurrection that affects salvation for us. But in the end, it's the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit, participation with the Holy Spirit that appropriates salvation into our lives. Invasion Day, preparing for Pentecost. Well, what is Pentecost? Pentecost, it means 50. And it was 50 days after Passover. It was the end of the second harvest. Passover had the end of the first harvest, the barley harvest, the second harvest was the wheat harvest. And God said 49 and then including the Passover day makes 50. 50 days later that they were to come There were three pilgrimages, actually, that they were required to do. They would make pilgrimage for Passover, pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the Feast of Weeks, which began on Pentecost, and then the Feast of Booths in the fall. And they were to come and celebrate and make sacrifice to the Lord. So anyway, this is what's happening after Jesus is raised from the dead. Now we enter into this season of 50 days until the next major celebration, the next major event, Pentecost. And this is where I want to begin, is in Acts chapter 1, Luke writes this. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. Now, again, that's a fascinating verse to me. I just love to ask the Lord about that. Presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. Well, then it says, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Well, of course, he'd spent three years speaking about the kingdom of God. So I'd be very curious to know what that was about. Anyway, 40 days, 40 of those 50 days, Jesus is busy instructing, teaching, giving convincing proofs. But then in verse four, it says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait, wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men in Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. I'm going to kind of come back to this passage But I want to begin with that verse, verses four and five, actually, where Jesus commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. In particular, we see a lot of that in John chapter 14 through 16. He says, for John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Here's the key phrase. Wait for the gift my father promised. You see, in Ezekiel 36, 24, through the prophet Ezekiel, God said this, speaking to Israel, For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you i will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and i will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws through the prophet ezekiel god promised that he was going to send his spirit to everyone in fact he said it again through the prophet joel joel 2:28 he says and afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. God promised that he was going to send his spirit to all. Prior to the fulfillment of this promise, the spirit was primarily only given to those in leadership, prophet, priest, and king. But now here, God is saying, there's going to come a day when I'm going to pour out my spirit, when I'm going to put my spirit in you. Well, here now, though, for the first time in Acts 1-4, explicitly, Jesus calls the coming of the spirit gift. Wait for the gift my father promised. Actually, in John 4-10, he sort of alludes to the spirit as being gift when he says to the woman at the well... If you knew who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Oh, sorry, let me back that up. First, he says, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water which it seems that that gift, although some have different ideas, but I tend to believe those who say this, that in John 7:38 and 39, Jesus stands up at the last day of the feast, invites those who are thirsty to come and drink, and then he says, "'Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them.' By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive." Well then, in Acts 2:38, after the very first message that Peter proclaims and people say, "What must we do?" Peter answers, "Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit." And then in a moment we'll look closer at this passage in Acts 11:17 where Peter's explaining what happened when the Gentiles received the Spirit and he says, "God gave them the same gift He gave us who believed. Jesus says, wait for the gift. He says to the woman at the well, if you knew the gift, Peter says, believe and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In fact, even to Simon the magician in Acts 8.20, Peter was miffed that he wanted to buy the gift. And then, of course, here in 1117, Peter says God gave them the same gift. Well, then it made me think of Luke 1111, which is Luke's version of Jesus' similar words in Matthew, where if your son or daughter asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. If your son or daughter asks for a fish, would you give him a snake? Luke, though, in Matthew's version, Jesus says, if you, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will I, your father, give good gifts to those who ask me? But in Luke eleven eleven, he says it this way, If you, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Talk about a good gift. The coming of the Holy Spirit is the fulfillment of promise. But even more so is that it's the very presence of God being given to us, each of us who believe. We get the gift, the good gift of God Himself coming into our lives. And you know, as I was thinking about this and pondering, just enjoying meditating on it, preparing to talk to you all, that all of a sudden I had this wonderful thought that I just imagine our triune God having given this promise and like He's got this present. I know sometimes. Robin, she'll find presents for Christmas months and months before because they're on sale, or she's out shopping and you go, Oh, I know they would love this. And then she buys it and then she has to put it away and has to wait all the way till Christmas to give it. And it drives her crazy sometimes because she's so excited. It's like, They're going to love it. They're going to love it. And she wants to give it to them right then. But she has to wait till Christmas. Well, for whatever God's timing and purposes, from the day he gave those promises until that day, that Pentecost day in history, when he finally got to give the gift, it's like it was birthday or Christmas. <laughs> when he finally got to give the gift that he was so longing and excited and delighted to give. Well, then the question is, Is when do we receive that gift? Well, as I just read to you a moment before, John said, By this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Well, in Acts chapter 2, likewise, Peter says, after they believe, repent, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 19.2, Paul runs into these guys that he initially thinks are disciples of Jesus and discovers later that they're disciples of John. But what's his opening question? He says, did you receive the Spirit when you believed? In Galatians chapter 3, Paul says to the church, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard And the reason I'm bringing this up is simply because, remember, Jesus said, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. There are those in our Christian family that have this idea that you got to get saved and then you get baptized in the Spirit. And I just want to address that for a moment. I think they've drawn a wrong conclusion in that. And I want to just share quickly why. Mostly because I want to just affirm that when you believed, you received the Spirit. So, let me say those verses again, John 7, 39, by this he meant the spirit whom those he believed in him would later receive. And then in Acts 19, 2, he says, did you receive the spirit when you believed? In Galatians 3, 2, he says, did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Well, here's the real clincher for me is Acts 10, Peter's preaching to the Gentiles. And even before he gives an altar call, suddenly the Holy Spirit falls on them. And it says this, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come and noticed the word was the Holy Spirit came on. Came on all who heard. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift, and there it is again. I even missed that one. <laughs> were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, which is more Joel's language for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So here the language is received the Spirit, the Spirit was poured out on, the Spirit came on, and it all happened at the time of their believing. Then when he goes back to Jerusalem and explains this to the rest of the guys, He says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. And then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he says, so if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Simply, the language of baptism was John's word. John says at the beginning of, of the Gospel of John that John the Baptist says that God said to him that the one on whom the Spirit comes, he will baptize with the Spirit later. Jesus in Acts 4 reminds them of what John said, and then the third time it gets used is by Peter remembering what Jesus said about what John said. Baptism is just John's language for come on, received. Filled, poured. Folks, we receive the Spirit when we believe. You have the Spirit if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the question is, is to what degree does the Spirit have you? To what degree have you engaged with Him and in relationship with Him and have learned to walk with Him? And we're going to talk more about that as we go forward. But I just want to tell you that when you believed, that was birthday. That was Christmas. That was the day that God not only forgave your sins, but he gave you the Holy Spirit as gift, which is his very presence, God's very presence in you. And again, the greatest part about this gift, of course, it's his presence, but what does his presence do in us where he comes and invades our lives when we believe and and a change begins to happen and The one key change I want to focus on at this moment is the fact that the fellowship, participation with the Spirit that makes salvation real. It's by the Spirit's presence in us that we experience, as Paul said in Titus, the washing of rebirth and renewal. We feel the washing, the cleansing of sins taken away. We feel peace. We we sense being reconciled. But I think most of all, what I want you to capture is that it's by the gift of the Spirit in our lives, the most profound first change to me, in addition to feeling sins forgiven and guilt washed away and a sense of wholeness and freedom. But Paul says these words, but I'm going to personalize them. Romans 15, 13, he says, I am the God of hope. And I will fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in me until you overflow with hope through the power of my Holy Spirit. See, the most amazing thing that happens is that hope, hope comes into our lives. Joy and peace come into our lives. In Romans 5.5, 5, he says, And hope doesn't disappoint us because he's poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. What happens is that hope, peace, peace, joy love come into our hearts into our lives that are stirred up by him by his presence by his love by his working and touching our spirit and the main thing is that we feel these things we experience these things and they're separate from our external circumstances i am the god of hope And I will fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in me until you overflow with hope through the power of my Holy Spirit. And hope does not disappoint you because I have poured out my love into your heart through my Holy Spirit. Oh, my brothers and sisters, I pray that you would hear that today and just pause wherever you are and say, Lord, thank you for the gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And most of all, thank you that I can feel hope. I can feel joy and peace and love separate from my external circumstance. It just comes from you because that's who you are and that's what you give and how you touch my heart and my spirit. And so, Lord, I pray today, would you cause in every heart, every heart, a fresh experience of your love, your peace, your joy, and your hope in Jesus' name. God bless you all. Have a great day.